You're listening to DraftKings Network. This episode is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. It's snowing again, and that wind chill is killer. But you're not worried about that because you shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection. It's warmth perfected with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat inside and protect you from the cold outside. No snow or chilly temps can stop you now. Go out anyway. Shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection now at Columbia.com slash infinity. If the Islanders lose the series tomorrow, it's going to go back to the fact that had this not happened, the series could have been different, which is true, of course. Did but you, if anyone watched that like game shit. yesterday, yeah, exactly. yeah, they, oh yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> no, they played like shit. Like you can, we'll get into like. But I know the, what you're saying. Right. Even though they did, they're yeah. gonna be like, oh, it was the missed and call. Also, and you want whatever, but I don't fucking care. Okay, I think that you're wrong. Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Too Many Men podcast. My name is Allison Lucan, and if you're watching on YouTube, the sun does actually come out in Seattle. Who knew? But I am joined by the ever eloquent woman who can sum up a series in three words or less. And she's going to be doing it again soon for you with her awesome playoff coverage, Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you today? I am wonderful. Yes, it's a busy week in the life, but we love busy. I feel like I have so much content coming up, including a big surprise. So keep your eyes peeled for that. A big surprise. Mm -hmm. Well, we would not be too many men if we didn't have the Sadly, but perhaps more focused, focusedly dog-free, Shayna Goldman. Shayna, say hi. Hi. I apologize for the background noise. We're having a great day here. It's just a wonderful day. Um, and so let's not focus on that. Let's focus right away. Sarah, it's time for your favorite segment. Well, does today go on the shit list? Are we like, honestly. should we just throw this whole day on the shit list? Honestly, honestly. I'm having a great day. I know you two aren't. I'm having <laughs> the best day, but it's time for Ditto News. Time for, <laughs> yes, it is. Correct. Okay. It's time for Bit-O News. Um, friends, we are going to go over um, all of the series in detail here in a second, but we wanted to highlight a couple things, um, and they could both come from uh, the same series, and that is the Carolina Islanders series, which is currently at a 3-1 borderline stranglehold by the Hurricanes, particularly if you watched that last game at four. But before game four could happen, um, there was an unfortunate series of events in game two in Carolina. And the first bit of oh, bad news was that Tavo Teravainen has broken his hand and will need surgery. We are sad. We don't know if he's going to be able to make it back. We don't know if the Canes will still be playing. They're now down three key forwards. Can he pull a Nazem Kadri? Who's to say, Sarah, what do you make of this latest loss from the Carolina lineup? I mean, first we can discuss the call-up that ended up getting a goal and an assist. And that, I, I think Seth Jarvis had a huge game. I think it does, as much as you never want to see anybody get hurt, it does show that the Canes have depth. They have never had that elite scorer, but they do have depth. And that can take you far against a weak opponent like the Islanders. And let me be honest, when I, I think they have played such dirty 
disgusting hockey during this series. And it really has pissed me off. And the officiating has gone bad both ways, but I think they can't compete with the Canes right now. So they are just taking all these shots. And one of them, I mean, Teravainen's hand is a different story, but he is just such a Swiss army knife for that team. He can assist, he can shoot. I mean, even though he doesn't love to shoot, he prefers to pass. He can do it all, especially in the power play or the penalty kill, but he's had kind of a down year. He's had concussions. Um, he hasn't played his best since he returned from COVID last year. So I don't know. I'm not going to speculate, but it just sucks. Cause you thought maybe in the playoffs he could elevate. Um, maybe they'll have a long run and he'll come back. The art of a take Sarah Sivian right there. I'm in really Flip good this food. and send it to Dan Levitar, please. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Shayna, uh, Tavo Teravinen leaves that game. But then, of course, there was also a lot of discussion. We're going to get into this whole thing that seems to be happening this postseason now more than ever um, of a blown call um, on Carolina that led to that game two winner. Um, I personally think the biggest egregious mistake was that who was it? Who was the Islanders? Mayfield. State? Mayfield thank you. OK, fine. Maybe there was a penalty. Maybe there wasn't. But you do not stop playing. Do not take yourself out of the play. That's the most ridiculous. The minute it happened, I was like, dude, just don't, I mean, fine, but don't take yourself out of the play. Terrible, terrible decision by him on, on, by him on his part, in my opinion, regardless of the outcome. But Shayna, there were like 15 videos saying this was a penalty, 15 videos saying it wasn't. What did you make of the non-call? Yeah. So first of all, I agree with you. The biggest mistake was the way he reacted. And I think the thing is here, had Mayfield not reacted that way, the call wasn't made, the goal was still scored, he could point to it saying, the fact that this penalty wasn't scored is a direct impact on the play, not me pulling myself out of play, because I think then you have two factors, and obviously it stems back to the one, but it just makes things a little bit more complicated. I do think it was a penalty. I do think that there were many missed penalties. And and it's interesting, too, because we have a year where penalties are on the rise in in uh, the playoffs, right? It's round one tends to be the higher of the rounds. And earlier in the series, there tend to be more penalties because not the games are less important, but you know what I mean? It's less do or die. And it's something that carried over from the regular season where in overtimes in the final minutes of regulation, we saw a rise in penalties called and subsequently we saw a rise in power play goals, which is why games were ending in three on three overtime more, well, four on three technically overtime more often. So it feels a little bit consistent, which I don't hate because it feels like there's a directive, right? If there's a penalty, call it. But the question is always going to be, are you going to handle this consistently? And it feels like that is something that is tricky for everyone and there is human error and then there's vagueness in the rules that lead to this i think if you could clarify the rules clean it up put out the directive make it clear to everybody hey if it's a penalty call it right like that's how it's going to be and make that abundantly clear i think everything might be a little bit smoother and then the human error would be a little bit more reduced but like we're asking for a miracle here from a league that is very incapable in a million gajillion ways so there you go i just asked about the mayfield penalty that's all I asked about. Well, I 10 minutes later. I had a lot to say. Uh, I, think I, said, I said off the bat. I think <laughs> I said off the bat, though. I think it was a penalty. Okay. I good. don't understand. We're going to talk about the penalties later. Okay. I don't understand why that's not reviewable, though. If we have missed stoppage reviews, why for an overtime, right? Like, is that the biggest error? Is it that the penalty is missed? Or that we, do you think there should be a review process for the play leading up Sh- to the Shana. goal? We literally went through the show notes and you know when we're talking about this. 
No, but that specifically for Mayfield. Like, (laughs) here's my question. Should the entire in overtimes, if a goal scored, everything that would be challengeable is automatically reviewed, right? I thought just the goal is over is reviewed. Right. Anything that could be challenged, though, with the goal, a missed stoppage, offsides, goal interference, all of that's taken care of by the league. Yes. Should the entire scoring play be analyzed? But see, yes. no, no, because here's the problem. Now we're going to get into the, the off. My position is no, because we're going to be in the offside situation where they're going to go two minutes ago when you came into the zone, you were Should offside. There be a time so limit? We're already doing that, though. We're already. But I hate at, I mean, that. I know. I know. But how does it stop? Well, I guess we just have yes. to suffer. Like, there's really I can't think of a solution, like, honest to God. It just feels like an overtime of all things in the playoffs. Like, I wish I wish the story wasn't this. If the Islanders lose the series tomorrow, it's going to go back to the fact that had this not happened, the series could have been different, which is true, of course. Did but you have anyone watch that like game shit. yesterday? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they played, oh, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> no, they played like shit. Like you can, we'll get into like. But I know the, what you're the, saying. Right. Even though they did, they're yeah. going to be like, oh, it was the missed and call. Also, and also, whatever. I don't fucking care. Okay, I think that. You're wrong. Yeah. And also, too, like, here's the thing. Carolina is down three players. You've taken what, two of them now out of the yes. game, right? Like, so if you are so lame that one blown call and one lost game dictates your ability to win a series at all, guess what? You shouldn't be in round two as it is. Right. Like, I'm sorry. If that was game six or game seven, like, the conversation's bigger. Yes. The refs, that's there, though, because from the video, it looks like ref is staring directly at the play. Should that ref have been made available to the, do you think that ref should have to be made available to the media to explain what just happened or maybe taken out of it? Like, should I the NHL been, be like, they should have refereed? This. I'm on I, I know. with this. That's why I want you to talk about it. I was teeing <laughs> you up for it. <laughs> there we go. The T-ball coach has logged on. That's me. Who knew? Yes. Yes. I think that in any game, regular season or postseason, one representative of the officials team should be made available for questions. And it's not necessarily to play gotcha or to get them. I think that oftentimes legitimately we have valid questions or would like clarification and arguably would make them look better if we could talk to them for three, even if it's via writing, that would be helpful. I think it would help so much. I'm just so sick of going back and forth and like what we were talking about on Twitter with Dom and um, we're so sick of hearing people complain about the officiating and like, whatever, we don't want this to focus on this, but at the same time, maybe if people like GMs and coaches start to do talk about it, things will change, but it's just kind of just so annoying. But then if GMs talk, right, then we're going to sit there nip. Look at our friend of the podcast. How does that affect the Leafs? Kyle Davis talking (laughs) to fans. And now that has to be overanalyzed. Like any way that anybody speaks, whether it's a referee coach or a GM, like, we're just going to like get more nitty gritty that I feel like is just going to be infuriating too. So is it like a lose-lose situation? Well, but also like I struggle, right? Because so Brandon Tana blew a kiss to a fan in Colorado after yeah. he scored a shorthanded goal. In, and beautiful. Loved it. I hated it. It was too early. Oh. It was too early. Oh, it's too fair. early. And then that's they lose fair. the game and then they lose the game yeah. to boot. So like, I don't have a problem with it like period three, right? That's fine. But I did not care for that at all. And again, now you go and lose the game. So my bigger point is too, like I can sit there and say that, but that's all I need to say about it. Like we now have people like, no, no, we're spending 40 minutes. I want to spend 40 minutes talking about the fact that he blew a kiss. We're having this whole discussion. And you know what? I like your point on that, by the way. 
That's it. That's a good point. It was too early and they blew the game. I think had something happened, like, do you remember like the Matthews came back and forth, like the showtime and like, can you hear me and things like that? Like one was starting it. So the other kept answering. That's fine. But an unprovoked kiss. You have a point. And then they lost the game. And it's all because of that. Well, exactly, I can't exactly. believe it. Forget exactly. all other analysis. Hello, That's it. Back. Who's Fuck back? the face off conversation. It's the kiss. The kiss of death. It started out with a kiss. How did it end up like this? Literally. <laughs> so we can move on. <laughs> All right. So um, we're, we're riled up, friends, today. It's it's a great day. Um, okay. So there's a ton more bit of news, as you could tell, by uh, Shana's uh speaking to you about all the scenarios, which we love and appreciate her wisdom. Um, but let's move on quickly. We have an anti-shitlist entrant, one that is near and dear to our hearts. This really has nothing to do with hockey people, but it just shows that Taylor Swift I don't, is a I'm bad... being informed of it with you. Like, I don't even know what this is. I'm Besides of the finding the link. So I'm, I'm learning. I'm listening and learning with the people listening. <laughs> Taylor Swift, it has come out, was the only superstar, celebrity, whatever you want to call it, to question the motives and the purpose and the usage of funds related to the now bankrupt crypto exchange FTX. And as a result, she is avoiding all of the mess that so many other popular celebrities are going through. This just shows that she remains brilliant. We tweeted about this from Maine. Shana, you're just learning about this, but don't you just have to appreciate her more now now that you see how smart she is, not just artistically, not just creatively, but she is a wise business person. Is she wise? Is she surrounded by wise people? If she is and she surrounded herself by them, Whoa. I guess she made herself wiser, right? Right? Um, I have two qualms. One, is Superstar too small of a name for her? Should it be like Megastar? What is happening? Right? I just have questions. Second of all, Speaking of crypto, I feel like we need to change the king's name of crypto.com arena. I know nothing about crypto. I don't want to. I feel like it's all broken. I feel like that should not be the name of an arena. And this is what it made me think of because this is where my brain is at right now. Those are my two thoughts. Everyone jumped the gun so much on crypto stuff. Do you name the arena that? Like, literally, <laughs> that's a great question because now Staples it's all Center over. was an iconic name, at least. It was like yeah. a sponsorship that didn't make me want to like rip my hair out. And someone please, I like, I want investigative journalism on how much whoever actually owns the arena is going to actually get for the naming rights on that deal. Like, was that deal ever fulfilled? Is the money it there? It's my point. Yeah. Why is it, why is it not crypto arena? Why is it crypto.com? Because that's the name of the company that bought I know, the name. that's a rights. shitty name. Dot <laughs> com. Can we abbreviate it? Well, I, I think crypto is abbreviated, Shana, because it'd be cryptocurrency otherwise. Sarah, do you have anything to add on, on Taylor Swift today? Yeah, I'm just happy she played Begin Again as her surprise song in Houston last night. And it's very special to me. So we love her as always. Thank you for not supporting this NFT or whatever this was. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. This episode is brought to you by Chevrolet. 
Now's your chance to support a team with real grit. The Chevy ZR2 family of off-road trucks. The first ever Silverado HD ZR2 joins the all-new Colorado ZR2 and the Silverado ZR2 for a commanding lineup of off-road ready trucks. Equipped to take on anything this season throws their way. Visit Chevy.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take your business to the next level. Shopify is the commerce platform that makes it easy to show up and sell exactly the way you want to. No need to code or design. Sign up for your $1 per month trial period today. Visit shopify.com slash offer 23 to get started. All right, my friends, uh, let's start to dive into the hockey talk specific because there are still eight series going. There will not be any sweeps in round one since the last time we talked to you. There have been 8,000 games, or at least it feels that way, including overtime. So we're going to go through each series and talk about what has stood out to each of us as the highs and lows to date, but we have to start with one Can series. Can I ask a question? Yes. I need rule. I need rules written down for me. Okay. It's when, just like, when did you follow the rules? Never. Okay. What's but I saying? need literally, we play any game here. It can be wiffable. We have, we all have to write rules and sign off on it and agree, or we can't play because we end up arguing. Like I need rules. I need structure for me to break through. Anyway, is the highs and lows. Are we going like a specific, don't look at me that way. Do not look <laughs> at me judging. This is a good question. You're going to say, wow, I didn't think of it that way. Okay. Is this the highs and lows, like moment wise, or can it be just like an element that we like? Like it could be like this team's defense is incredible high, or does it have to be like a pinpoint moment? It can be anything you want it to be. Okay. Amazing. Thank you. There's no structure, no rules. That's how I like it. Carry on. Decisionless hockey. <laughs> Decisionless hockey. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. All right. Um, okay. So here we go. We have to start with everyone's favorite team and folks, the tweets you send us to remove this segment only sustain us. We're sorry, Shana. It's time for what? Our favorite segment. How does it affect the Leafs? Where you can buy, which not where, which you can buy merch for to support all right. So I've written too much. I feel like the words don't they come out. I'm like, that's not it. Here we go. Halfway let's through round to, one, baby. Let's exactly. And you know what? We were talking about this last night. Like, what's amazing is we're all about to die right now. And in literally like two weeks' time, we're gonna be like, there's no hockey on. We miss it. What are we supposed to do? Anyway, um, we're gonna go series by series with the highs and lows, but we wanted to pinpoint because listen, the reason we have to keep talking about the Leafs is because they continue to do in a ridiculous round one that is full of ridiculousness, the Leafs continue to find ways to out-ridiculous other teams and other series. And if you watch the most recent game between these two teams, there was a fight between, as expected, Austin Matthews and Steven Stamkos, the first fight, <laughs> at least recorded, of Austin Matthews' career. Sarah, were you able to watch this live? And if you were or weren't, what was your reaction to this important, incredibly crazy news. God, it was amazing. I was watching it. I was locked in and like screaming. I know like I'm, I'm like becoming a Leafs fan. I've had such an interesting perspective this year because I'm not just watching one team and I'm like 
getting excited about just all the playoff hockey and I'm not like having to report on all of it in that certain way where you have to just kind of not get too excited. So when I saw Austin Matthews and Steven Stamkos fighting, that was just, it makes not to be, and I guess I'm the old man of the podcast when it comes to the rules and stuff. I felt like the Leafs were going to win the series because finally, like the guy who needs to have heart was like having so much heart. And like, I know he wasn't really, making that much of an impact on the scoreboard um, in the, the iconic game and like just throughout the series. So now it feels like he's making his mark however he has to. And I just loved that. Like, welcome to playoff hockey where the two stars play and fight. Shayna, did I, I know you watch this live. You watch everything. What did you make of this in another wild and crazy tour of 60 minutes of playoff hockey? I watched it live, but my focus was more split because it was the one night we didn't have true staggering. So like the Leafs and the Rangers were like very much in line timing wise. Um, and I am writing every game about the Rangers. Uh, but I did catch that. It was really funny. I wish the camera sometimes like the camera works a little bit quicker on it, too. So we can like encapsulate them a little bit more because in like so many views, they were like cut off awkwardly. But um, it was it was funny to see. It's something you don't expect. And I agree, too, with Austin Matthews, like we talk about all the skill in the world, but he has to produce in the playoffs and like his level of production, you want to see higher than the regular season. You want him to make the game breaking plays. And I feel like in the playoffs, even if he's performing well, he's not to the levels that we need someone of his caliber to be like think Connor McDavid last year in the playoffs. Like that's the bar is a little high there, but maybe like Leon dry in the playoffs is the bar that Matthews can kind of like evenly match. And like this, I guess was a good example of it because it's something, even if you're not scoring, you're doing something. And like he supported his teammate, which he needed to do because that was like a lot of, there you go, a lot of chaos. Um, but yeah, that it, it it was interesting, right? As long as he doesn't get injured, who cares? If he got injured, that would be the conversation. And that would be like, please let me rip my hair out. But like, good for him getting involved. And we'll see like how it lights them up this game. If, if it does at all, who's to say? And speaking of injuries, this has been an up and down uh, series in terms of that with players not only being taken out of the series for suspension reasons, but also big time injuries, particularly affecting the lightning. I have to say, I felt like going into that last game, uh, game three, if Toronto didn't win that game, then they should just take themselves out of the tournament and go home because there was like one NHL regular defender on the back end for Tampa Bay. Sarah, what are the highs and lows of this series for you? thus far. That's such a good point. Um, but I think the highs are the Leafs. I just think the, uh, the highs are the highs and lows, right? Both teams won a game scoring seven goals. And then the third game was so even. I just thought like it was just, it's amazing that you never know what you're going to get. You're on the edge of the seat and the drama is like really paying off. Whereas in some other series that we thought would be dramatic, it's the drama isn't dramaing. And the lows are... The Michael Bunting hit, he got rightly suspended for that. I just hate seeing players get injured. Shayna, highs and lows for you of Toronto and Tampa Bay heading into game four. We're recording, of course, on Monday, heading into game four tonight. Yeah, um, probably the high, I would say, was everything that like game three brought to the table because you had two lopsided games to start where then the conversation was like bad goaltending on each side and whatever and like blowouts can be exciting when it's back and forth across the series but like I 
personally, like the drama of a tight game. And I felt like we got that. And we also got like the comeback ability from the Leafs that I don't think many of us thought they had at that point in the game. So for me, it was just everything, every element that it brought was like what I now want to see the rest of the series. So I'm glad we got it in game three. Um, The low... Yeah, I guess it's just the, it's the injuries piling up, right? Like, I, I hate that. I hate that Turner got knocked out of the game by a hit from, you know, bunting. That was super unnecessary. I hate that Victor Hedman isn't at top speed because I think the game is better when he is. And it's been a rough year for him overall. And, like, we can look to last year's series, the impact he had. So just seeing injuries pile up, I'm like, this sucks. Because not only is it going to hurt this series, say the Lightning do advance, like, now you're getting half-strength like Lightning team against Boston. Like, that's bad for our entertainment purposes. And also, you know, the players' lives and things like that. That's kind of important. Also relatively important, yes. So uh, Sarah remains ch- ch- uh, pro-Leafs. We'll see how this turns out. Uh, we'll be back to look at what's going on in this series in just a couple days' time. Let's stick in the East, though. And we started to talk about this series already, so let's finish that conversation Carolina has a three to one series lead. They finally, you guys know, I've been on this bandwagon for a bit. Can they win on the road? Can they win on the road? It seemed like they weren't. And they did. Yay them. But at what cost? (laughs) As I tweeted at Shayna, but we were all texting, watching this game yesterday on Sunday. And it just feels sad. It just feels like even though Carolina is likely to win this series, that they're going to be so decimated. And this was a team that had such promise and opportunity going into this season and even going into this postseason. And now it's just like, you almost want to see them get taken out of their misery too, because it's just going to be such a hard road to climb. And it's not at all what they expected to have going into a window that Sarah's talked about quite a bit of this is like the the honeymoon's over. This is time to go out and win a cup and give your best and get all the way to the final, if not take that cup home. So Sarah, what has stood out to you other than the basic sadness of Islanders hurricanes? Yeah. I mean, it's trash, just the bad hits again and the bad calls. It's just like, there's been certain series that I've covered as a reporter too, where you kind of are not enjoying it. Like, to be honest with you, there's ones that you enjoy. I know people are enjoying covering Lightning Leafs. I'm having kind of, even though it's chippy, I'm having a blast covering the Bruins Panthers because it's like fun chippy. But this over here is like people getting injured in really serious ways. And then not like the Islanders are giving nothing on offense and the Hurricanes are quickly running away with this despite not having half of their stars. So it's just kind of... um, it's like not fun at all. It's like you dread it. You're like, who's going to get hurt next? And it's just like the the hockey aspect is not great. Sarah certainly covered the lows. Do you have any highs, Shane, or do you just have more lows to pile on? Yeah, the injuries and everything you said, Sarah, like it's not, it's a series I was excited for too. Like I like watching defense hockey and it's just like not as exciting. And it's because of the Islanders performance and the chippiness. Um, yeah. Okay. So one high is that we actually had boots on the ground and that everybody should be supporting us that way. Um, I told my friend to do it and I think he forgot. And I texted him like, Hey, this is your job. Don't forget. Like this was your idea. You moron do it. And uh shout out to Chris and every, all of them, they all like joined in boots on the ground. I got 20 videos that night. And we posted a bunch of them. Um, they were all really wonderful. The environment did seem really fun. So credit to that, like the terrace they have and they had a DJ out there. So even when they were down in the game, they were able to have like good vibes, but like, actually on the ice, uh, the, the high is, I think that we can see the Canes at work, the Canes system. 
We know about the Carolina Hurricanes. I don't know if there's another team in the league besides maybe like Tampa or Colorado. And again, gold standard, previous Stanley Cup winners right here, um, who have a system that has stuck with them and an identity that has stuck with them as long as the Canes has. It, it feels like since Brindamore took over, it really has taken hold and maintained that throughout his tenure. And it's the the suffocating forecheck and the way they play stylistically along with the strong defense. And they've only improved it through the years. And I think we're seeing it as strained as they might be lineup wise, that they have this really strong system that I wonder who else can compete with. You know, they, the, when you put in a player, they're going to succeed because everybody knows to buy into this system. And it's very impressive to me how they do it and how they play to their strengths, how teams struggle to exit the zone because the Canes are swarming you. Like, that is interesting to watch. It would just be more interesting against a more competitive team that was trying to create an ounce of offense. And when there were penalties, you weren't rolling your eyes saying decline the power play. I am very impressed. You managed to make this hockey actually sound exciting. And that in no way represents the hockey that it's we're not. watching. But good for it's you. It's not. I good tried. job. Good job. Uh, again, let's stick in the East. We probably may have a, a series closeout there before uh, we come back to y'all. But now I've just jinxed it, which means it'll go seven and we'll all just want to die. Um, but let's stick in the Northeast then and talk about the series that doesn't even require a plane ticket. And that is the Rangers Devils. The Rangers had been owning this series, but the Devils did come back. They now have one game on their win column, two to one lead for the Rangers. Sarah, highs and lows for you from this one so far. Oh, the highs are Dougie Hamilton's first ever overtime playoff goal. I think it's been a long time coming. There's so much, even on the fucking Bruins broadcast, people are saying, where's Dougie Hamilton? Because they can't let it go. And he's such a pariah or whatever, for all, if that's the right word for all these reasons. And he finally, and even during this game, I was kind of yelling like, where's Dougie? Where's Dougie? And then he just came out and did the overtime goal to give the Devils their first win of the series. And I just think that was the huge leadership moment that he's needed in his career. So we'll see what happens now. I think we have ourselves a series. I know that the Rangers lead 2-1, but they've made it in interesting now. So we'll see. No lows from Sarah Sivian. Lows? Um, I think that it was bo like it's been boring. At least the first two games were pretty boring to me. Shayna, highs and lows from a uh, series you just revealed to us you were writing on every single game. That's me. My takeaways every game. Don't look so Coverage excited. That I literally feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. And now I'm like, okay. It's not, I'm I'm not someone that's used to like, here's a game, it happens immediately, go right on it. Give um, us your highs and lows. My low would probably be the devil's offense, right? Like I was excited to see what they were going to do this postseason and would they be able to maintain that rush-based offense that was so good in the regular season? It's a big question. Can you maintain that the postseason, especially if you're not a team that's built as well as the Avalanche and coached as well as the Avalanche and through Three games, even though the Devils were better in the defensive zone in game three, they have not played to their strengths. They have not been great at five on five. They have very little cycle game. So when they aren't creating off the rush, it's not good. It was a little better in game three. We'll see how it is in game four. This is something like I've been waiting to write on this playoff. So let's see if they give me anything to work with in my story, or if I'm going to be like really bored regretting I picked the story. Uh, and the high would be I am... It's the adaptability of the Rangers that impressed me. And I think the big question is going to be how it goes into game four. But for games one and two, they played team defense like I don't think we've seen in 
from this team in the regular season and to end the year. Yes, there were injuries with lingering and they were rolling 5D and, you know, 11 forwards and everything was really hectic. But even when they got back to full strength, like their defensive efforts were not there and goaltending was. But the way that they've been closing out the middle of the ice is super impressive to me. And they've been getting sticks in lanes and it's a lot of commitment from the forwards too. You're seeing players like Trochak and Tarasenko and Zabanajad get their sticks in lanes. And I, it's to me, I think that's been like a really fun new look way of defense besides just diving in front of block shots. So for me, that's a high. All right. We have one last letter. What's yours? I already prefaced my ability to keep up with all these series based on my work commitment. So we may not have them. All. Oh, that's fair. Shouldn't that's that? we'll, we'll stick to the games that on the nights. Those yeah, were the rules. Play. I literally yeah. gave you rules. Yes, yeah, that is fair. Before we started recording. Yes, that is fair. I forgot that they're the same night. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Although I did enjoy Jack Hughes post-game comments, which were hilarious that I yes. found a day later. So there, there's my high. He has a great personality it? and he's like very willing to like speak his mind. So we'll see if that keeps up throughout his career, or if the league is going to like change Beat it him. out of him. Yeah. All right. We saved the best for the last in the, in the East. And that is the series that Sarah is directly covering. And that is Boston, Florida. Again, a 3-1 series lead as it ships back to Boston for a potentially series-clinching game. We still have not seen Patrice Bergeron. We did finally see Sergei Bobrovsky, however, and it still didn't matter. Sarah, highs and lows from this series thus far for you. Yeah, it got kind of weird when the Panthers tied it up and you, like the vibes were weird because you thought the Bruins were just going to dominate. But this is the playoffs and not everybody sweeps every single series. You know what I mean? So obviously the Bruins ran away with game three. And I don't, I guess the high would be how chippy but fun this is, right? Like I, I think you have Olmark trying to fight Kachuk. Kachuk's getting in people's heads, but it's not. He's such an incredible player that... He will score, but like the team around him is just not, not keeping up. So I guess I maybe watching him, but also watching Jim Montgomery find success and be kind of emotional. I saw one of his post-game presser or not pressers, but um, post-game speeches where he said he was driving in his car and he listened to the summer of 69 and he was like, these are the best days of my life. And it made me emotional. I'm like, good for him. He's been through a lot. So that was pretty special of him to share. Nothing riles the emotions like John Mellencamp, you know? Or no, that's um, Brian Adams. Brian yeah, Adams, Brian excuse Adams. me, excuse me. All right, Shana, highs and lows for Boston, Florida for you so far. Yeah, I think it's the overall vibe surrounding the Bruins has to be the high because you see, one, the system of everyone stepping up when you're missing pivotal players like Bergeron and Krejci. And that's impressive to me of, you know, like how we've seen players change their game under Montgomery and and even Marshans really kept it in line. So that's impressive too. And, you know, guys like Bertuzzi and DeBrusque are stepping up. So I just think it, there's like good energy around the team that is fun. So uh, we like that. And obviously Poss is bringing it every game on the ice, off the ice, everything I love about that. The low is Florida's power play. It was terrible last year in the postseason, and this is a different coaching staff. It is still bad right now. They are one of the few teams who power play one is three forwards and two defensemen, and Ekblad has not been good there. It The only reason they changed it for the last game was his injury status, and it's like it shouldn't – they started that game with Verhage on power play one, which what a concept, your 40-goal score on power play one, and then when they scored, it was Sam Bennett at the time. But it, 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 there's a difference when you have four forwards. And then by game's end, they were going with six forwards on the power play. So it just took the Ekblad injury, which it shouldn't have taken. And watching it is just bad and obnoxious. 
And there you have it, my friends. Thus finishes our sweep around the East. So let's move to the conference that if you're not watching, you're missing out. Although we said this last episode, and then we did have a couple duds come out of the West. Um, but I feel like we're, we're, we're back on our bullshit here in terms of the Western Conference games. Let's start with some games that just wrapped up last night in terms of getting to game four. And first... Y'all, we already started a rant on missed calls. Let's go there again. Let's talk Kings at Edmonton. That series is tied 2-2. Someone made the joke to me last night that the that the league just can't figure out which side they are actually trying to fix this series for, given that the last two games have both ended either literally on a controversial call or right after a controversial call, if I never have to see 18 angles of a puck flipping head, head over heel in the air again, I'll be fine with it. Sarah, highs and lows for Kings Edmonton to you. The highs are obviously that it just keeps going to overtime and it's all tied up and that it, it does stink that a lot of the times it could have gone either way. And the refs, this is where I will complain about the refs and say they're literally changing the complexion of the entire series with these calls. But the high is that at least it's fun, like in a new, exciting way. They're trying to fix it for the league, not for either team. And I feel like the Kings are like out oilers the Oilers kind of with the way they had the 3-0 lead. But then um, the lows are obviously the refs. Like what, what more can you say on that? And maybe Shana can take it away and say more. Kevin Fiala, of course, returns to the lineup. You already mentioned Friend of the pod, Leon Dreisaitl, is having just a lights-out postseason. We love to see it. Connor McDavid can't help but complain. Shayna, what have been the highs and lows for you? He did! No, I, I agree. It's funny when he shows an ounce of personality. I love it, right? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> highs and lows for you. That's a tough... You know what? The lows are that this is only around one series at this point because minus the missed calls, which are legitimately a problem... Um, I think this is one of the more enjoyable round one series. There's two that stand out to me most, I think, and they're both in the West, um, luckily on opposite days. So we get to enjoy them a bit more. But I, I really am enjoying the series. I'm enjoying the pace. I'm enjoying how close it is. And I'm enjoying that every game isn't over until it's over. I like the comeback ability from both sides. So I'm upset it is as short as it is. I guess the high... There's like it's like different standout performances that are sticking out, but I'm gonna go with my dear friend Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, I first of all have been enjoying his play on two legs. Uh, his even strength play, even like last night's game, he was terrible in the first, and then the way he picked it up in the second and third, it was like there you go, game changing ability. Uh, but I listening to the broadcast, hearing his name said over and over again, has been making me think. Uh, a lot, including I think like Liam McHugh says it the way I do. And I feel like we have made too big of a deal of this. And it's I don't I don't appreciate that anymore because I, I think everyone else is getting it wrong. Unsurprising take from Shana that everyone else is getting it wrong. But yes, this is the series. Idol. Thank you. This is the series that certainly is keeping us on our toes. And honestly, it is a lot of fun, even with the drama. It's something that everyone is talking about. Let's move to a series that started off hot in my opinion and now is just kind of weird i don't really know how to pin it down it's certainly not going the way i thought it would and that's minnesota dallas that series is also tied to two and um 
I'm going to go on record to the lovely people. We did ask fans to submit boots on the ground video. We do want them. Keep sending them in. We want a vibe check from every single arena where play, games are being played. I didn't say Minnesota is boring. However, Minnesota, he just Minnesota. did the accent. Was that on purpose? I don't know. It's like it seeps into my subconscious. But here's the thing. OK, like it's the most boring hockey ever. I go back to was it 2016 when Columbus had like 13 wins and Minnesota had 11 straight wins and they were both vying for like league all time records of win streaks. And it was New Year's Eve and it was such a huge game. And it was literally the most boring game I've ever seen in my entire life. So like. It's effective. I'm not saying it's not effective. I'm not saying Kirill Kaprizov isn't exciting. I'm not saying I don't love Marc-Andre Fleury because I do. But the games are boring. Sorry. That's how I feel. Those are my lows. I agree with you. I don't know what it is. No, I'm agreeing too, especially after like everything that game one brought. I was like, cool, this exactly. is going to be a banger series, which like I like low-key thought it was going to be from the start. And then it's like, like I, I, the high has to be the goaltending, right? Because when you get a chance and you see something, Jake Ottinger has been incredible. Phil Gustafson's great. been great. Probably should have played game two. Who's to say? It went against all conventions and it burned him. But like, it's not great. It's it's really not. And the other low, I guess, could be the Eric Sinek situation because he came back, he played a shift, and that was it from the game. They literally ruined, burned a roster spot. And I get it; they're not super deep, but like. They burned a roster spot to play him way too soon. They said if he were to come back, it would be late in the series. At that least wasn't even, late in the series. At least Steven Stamkos scored a goal when he played just one shift. I mean, come on. Oh, my on. God. Yeah. Jeek, the bar is there. <laughs> I guess in round one, it's each each round, it would be a higher bar. And That's we're right. saying like a final, it's goal. So I guess That's just right. existing for round one is what it is. That's right. So let's go to another series that has, I'm not going to lie, and it's also hard for me to see all these games given uh, my work schedule, but it's Winnipeg Vegas and Winnipeg kind of stormed out. We were like, oh, hey, they woke up just in time for the playoffs. And this last game three was quite compelling. I was actually getting ready to go to the arena and I was getting score alerts and I'd come out and Steve would be watching and I'd just come out and stand and then the goal would be scored because of delay. And he started to get pissed because he's like, stop coming out because now I know something's going to happen. And I'm like, it's fine. But uh, Winnipeg made it interesting, but still trails one, two in this series to the Golden Knights. Again, other than Mark Stone, eh, I mean, we love Mark Stone, friend of the pod. Come talk to us, Mark. Um, but is there anything that's really grabbing your attention from a highs or a lows perspective, Sarah? Not really, honestly. Like, I this is probably the series that I've watched the least amount of time because it's just on late. You have to pick one. And sometimes I'm still writing from the Bruins or whatever. So honestly, I'm going to sit this one out because I literally don't know. Sarah abstains. Yeah. And I'm let sorry, I'll do better next time. But please, everybody inform me right now. Shana, yeah. let us know. What should we think? Yeah, this is a series that I have to write for if something interesting happens. How much have you written? <laughs> well, I'm not I missing out wrote, then, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's look, they have local writers, and that's a part of the reason why, like, when something interesting happened, like Mark Stone's game, like, it was well covered. But we need, like, big moments if I'm going to write on it, and we haven't had them. Uh, a high, I guess, okay, if we're reaching, besides Mark Stone, is Jack Eichel. He is playing in the playoffs. He is performing eh. well. Credit to him that he is scoring in the playoffs so everyone can shut up because I feel like some of the discourse on him is kind of obnoxious. Like, let the man live. Like, I'm over it. I'm erasing everything else from my memory about him. He's here. He's there. Whatever. 
He's everywhere. He's Roy Kent, uh, but he's not actually. Roy Kent is way better. Um, the and the low is just yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not great. I hope we get if the last game was if the last game was they an lost, example of what's to lose, come. They lost Josh Morrissey. Josh right? Morrissey. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. Big and now news. you're like that's now Neil Pionk's gonna be like your number one. Like that's not great. If if the last game was an indication of what's to come, sign me up. But I'm not holding my breath. So we intentionally and selfishly held what I am campaigning for, because I do, honest to God, believe this is turning into perhaps the best series of round one. And that is the Seattle Kraken at the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, It's funny to me, you forget um, how people view the Kraken who aren't watching the games. And we've talked about this East Coast bias before, but Someone literally asked uh, head coach Jared Bednar, who I have tons of respect for, and I think he's a tremendous coach, um, after their game three win in Seattle, if he was surprised that the Seattle Kraken were putting up such a fight. He was like, they have 100 points. Like, they're a good team. But this has been insanely paced hockey. It has been insanely good hockey. It's had comebacks. It's had response goals. It's had shorthanded goals. It's had... Even though I didn't like it, players blowing kisses to the crowd. It's had the first NHL playoff game at Climate Pledge Arena in, a hun- in, in Seattle in general in 104 years. It's so exciting. And as much as we've talked about injuries and as much as we've talked about bad calls, this series, Knock on All the Wood, has had none of that. So it's just pure, unadulterated, fantastic hockey. Maddie Beneers, first playoff goal. I am loving this series, even owning my bias. I think it's one of the best, if not the best, that's currently being played. Colorado does lead 2-1. Sarah, highs and lows for you. The high is that the Kraken are proving me right because I always thought this was going to be a good series and I almost thought they were going to win. Like, And maybe they still will. Literally, who knows? They have been playing really well. And no matter what I wrote, that no matter what happens, you're going to respect the Kraken now, right? It's like the way they're holding their own right now, even though you have Devon Taves, right, who can just turn it on no matter what. You got McKinnon. Um, but you're giving them a fight in the first round, which I think that has just been really great. I, I, it's so entertaining. I need them to hang on to a lead a little bit, more, though. And that's maybe my low. Not that I'm like a Kraken fan. I mean, I guess the low would be... I don't really have a low of this. I'm really enjoying watching. You're right that it's like really highly entertaining and the storylines are great. I love that. Um, just kind of they're like close proximity somewhat, at least these teams, and it's maybe a budding rivalry. I love that point too. Shana, what stood out for you? Yeah, I think my low is I'm honestly a little bit worried about series length because I said this is one of my favorite series. And the way that the Avalanche played in Game 3, the way they had their star power took over, and this is the difference between the two teams, and it was going to be a good test. And I think that's great and wonderful because at the end of the day, we're going to learn something. Does star power at the Avalanche's heights and levels, which is some of the best in the league, is that better than anything else you could put out on the ice? And if the answer is yes, that you just learned something, right? That's not a bad thing. That's telling the crack and lean in with Maddie Beniers and Shane Wright and your future stars and maybe go acquire someone and maybe keep around Vince Dunn. You need the stars to stay with it. So I'm just a little bit worried about series length right now. After that, my high has to be Nathan McKinnon. Uh, I love watching. I really am loving the series. I'm loving both the teams. 
The way he played, though, last game was incredible. He had 13 shot attempts. I think it was like seven scoring chances. He broke ankles twice in one shift leading up to the goal, which was just incredible. The other goal he had, the defensive play, the speed up the ice for seeing quintessential McKinnon. It feels like there's a little bit less pressure on it now that he's won a cup and there's not going to be as many like narratives around it except us appreciating how amazing he is. So, you know, it's just it's something to watch every game because there's so many skill sets that like he has so much in that toolbox. He's not just a one-dimensional forward and we're seeing it all on display. And I think that's like absolutely great. Connor McDavid is obviously the best player in the league, but when Nathan McKinnon takes over a playoff game, it's the most fun thing to watch. I mean, I mean, you can debate about that and I'm not saying he's better than McDavid, but I am just saying like he's massive and he's so powerful and the way he charges the net is just like so entertaining. I'm here for it's it. It's why we love Tajay, I think too, right? Yes. Because while we could all enjoy what someone like, our friendly Andre Seidel does, right? Like he's so good at what he <laughs> does. It's different. The size, the strength, the everything that maybe you don't anticipate a player being as fast when they're six, six, like Tajay is or something like, and the versatility in their game, it brings more excitement. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there's, there are some sub narratives to that series, but we're going to get to them later this week. Um, and I'm going to have, perhaps ask better questions on our shit list because media controls the narrative and let's make sure we're looking at the game the right way. Anyway, we'll leave that Easter egg there for you. It is time. My Figure friends. it out, everyone. Figure out what you want in your coverage and really think about that through these series because you might see some, some things being written being like, this is the best you got. Like, push for better, right? Push us for better if you don't like the shit we come up with too. Or there just do it better than us if you think you can. <laughs> All Try. right, let's let's wrap this crazy ride up with our favorite game, and that is Fuck, Mary Kill. Sarah, I'm going to have you go first. We are exhausted by the influx of penalties, the influx of complaining, the influx of review time, just slowing down what seemed to be great, great, great games. So for Fuck, Mary Kill, here are your options. Are you ready? Here we go. No goal reviews. No mics on the ice, no injury reviews. Take it away. Wait, no? What do you mean injury reviews? Wait, what do we mean by no? Like get rid of, which one are these? Like eliminate these things. Okay, yes. okay. Yes, yes. What's an injury, like injury reviews? Like You when... know, like they can review the major or call something as a major oh. in order to review it and then figure out the right penalty. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Um, I'm marrying no injury reviews because I don't think... I think the essence of calling a penalty shouldn't be, did the player get hurt? And I think that's been a huge problem in our sport. Like, I, I think if the hit was dirty, that you shouldn't lessen it if the guy gets up and walks. Like, I just don't like that. I am, wait, did I say, oh, I'm marrying? No, yeah. I am fucking no mics on the ice because I do think it's entertaining, but I do think it's a little much for a playoff game. Right. I think they should just do it in the regular season because I just think that's like a little much. Um, and I am going to kill no goal reviews because there needs to be goal reviews. Like no matter, and we can debate about the nature and volume of them, but there needs to be something there. Shana, your turn. Yeah. I will also kill the no goal reviews because they should be efficiency is number one, right? At the end of the day, sometimes it's, how do you get there? And what's the process that definitely needs work. But at the end of the day, like if there's goalie interference, if, if the play was hit by a high stick, if it's not something that's like a microsecond off, whatever, 
Efficiency. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, I will marry the no mics on the ice. Uh, you know what? Like, I like them when there's like a mic'd up series, like the 24 seven series from like HBO, I think nailed it. But sometimes like on the broadcast, they just show a player and like, they don't even, they're just wooing for 30 seconds straight. They just show mm. them wooing. And I'm like, what? I don't, I don't care enough. Um, cause I, you know, whatever. And I will fuck the no injury reviews. I think one of the smartest things the league has done is adding the ability to review these plays because they happen too quick. And sometimes you see a player on the ice and you assume the worst, right? Or something really egregious is missed. I think that they are in the right to have them, but the rules are still, there's a lot of gray areas. They sometimes like the results are still complete, like the Dumba versus bunting you can have that debate all day of like how are they different and things like that like it feels like how are you coming to the results you're coming to that's still an issue and that's going to be but the fact that you're able to review something and figure out was that actually a high stick and was this player hit or was it incidental contact like it's important to see that stuff like with the Pavelski play you could see that it was late but you could see that the reason the player is so injured is because he hit his head on the ice which wasn't from a shoulder, right? Like, I think that's important to clarify. Guess what? You're agreeing with me? I am agreeing with you, Shana. I do agree. I agree. I I do kind of, I, I honestly, though, do still kind of like the no mics on the ice um, or having mics on the ice, I should say. I don't like the mic to player, but I do like catching because like anytime I've been yeah. between the benches, two people are like, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? And I haven't heard a ton, but I do think that's fun. And I do think that captures kind of the spirit of the thing. So- there should be a good balance too that you can yes. actually hear that with the commentary. Sometimes it feels yes. like the commentators are like locked in a room. Watch the savvy between the benches people who know when to cover up their mics. Watch for that. <laughs> anyway, Ooh, insider tricks. Anyway, my friends, we've made it through another chaotic episode. Uh, we are always so thankful to spend this time with you. As always, you can follow us on social. We are at two underscore much underscore man on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you are there, don't just follow us. Send us your boots on the ground. We want to know what it's like where you are at, where you're watching the game. If you're in an arena, heck, if you're just at a party, let us know what the vibes are all about. Give us your take on the game at that very moment, but make it Too Many Men. We'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't already, why don't you go get some Too Many Men merch? We may actually have some prizes for people who don't just send us a vibe check, but send us a vibe check wearing some too many too many men merch. So think about it. It could make your day. You can get your merch at too many men merch.com. Thanks so much to our wonderful fans who got that for us. We appreciate you, Ashley and James. And until we talk again, we ask you to please do something no matter how big or small to make sure that hockey truly is for everyone. Love you. Bye.